On today's episode of Locked on Canucks, we break down the spicy, spicy, spicy comments made by Jim Rutherford on JT Miller. And are the Canucks currently as constructed a playoff team in the Western Conference? It is Locked on Canucks on a Friday in July. And it starts now. Your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Locked On Canucks, a Friday, July the 15th edition. Can you believe July? It's crazy. Summer's almost over, but... The weather outside, and I hope you guys are having a wonderful week. Of course, this is Locked On Canucks, the show that keeps you locked in on all things Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I want to thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen today, and we are and available wherever you get your podcast services. Guys, very very spicy by the one Jim Rutherford today. Now he was on sorry, a prominent show in Vancouver and was posed the question about with JT Miller and how do you explain the fan base's impatient to Canucks leading goal scorer? And Rutherford gave some very, very spicy comments to the tune of I don't understand why people are so impatient. We still have our best forward on our team. And proceed to say it's going to go down one of two ways. It's going to either go we trade him or we keep him. And it sounds like the way I perceived these comments made by Jim Rutherford is the fact that the Canucks still want to keep JT Miller. They don't want to trade him. He specifically said there should be a point of pressure or um, insecurity or whatever. There should be a pressure point made come the trade deadline. Not right now. Now, we are, I've been banging this thing, saying that the Canucks, and I think all of Canucks Nation too, the Canucks cannot go into training camp with JT Miller under the current contracts he's under. Either you have to trade him, or he has to sign to a new deal. So, I'm a proponent of keeping, I've been a big proponent of keeping JT Miller. I think, you know, he is a, a guy you can build, a, be a building block of this franchise. Yes, He's almost 30. He's going to be older. Um, he's not, you don't expect him to get 99 points again, but he can play center. He can play wing. He kills penalties, penalty kill. He's got grit. We know what JT Miller can do. And having him on this roster as currently constructed, I said the other day, this Canucks front, front line, top six, top nine is playoff caliber. Their goaltending, starting goaltender, is a playoff caliber starting goaltender. The defense does need work, yes. But the Canucks have their best player still. It is very hard to trade your best player, especially in a market where the cap is flat. JT Miller wants to get a home run deal. Well, we saw Johnny Goudreau turn down $10.5 million to move out east, but he had to leave $15 million on the table. Nazem Kadri hasn't signed yet. He's probably not getting the deal 
that he wanted. There probably was enough money out there that he wanted. Same with John Klingberg. When the cap is flat, there is no dollars there to spend at this particular moment. Unless you go the route of the Tampa Bay Lightning, who locked up guys like Mikhail Sergachev and Anthony Sorelli to longer-term deals, but they're expecting the cap to go up. Now, Tampa Bay's front office is smart enough, and they have the ability to offer these guys, you know, max more term for less money on the AAV because they play in a state where there's no state income tax and guys can take a bit less and they'll still recoup that money. But going back to JT Miller, JT Miller is in a very interesting position. He's at that point in his career where he's finally having the ability to potentially go to unrestricted free agency and all athletes, all professional athletes that play a sport, and especially North America, strive to get to that first goal, make it to the league. Whatever league you in, you want to make the league. Then you want to secure the first contract. Then you want to secure the next contract that sets you up for generational or a lot of wealth. And then, in my personal opinion, it's winning. JT Miller has set himself up now to get a very big contract. However, potentially the economics of this COVID-19 pandemic the economics of the NHL's flat cap might pinch JT Miller. The cap is maybe going to go up a million bucks next year. If JT Miller wants that nine-year, $9.5 million deal, maybe $10 million deal, it might not be available to him. Johnny Goudreau thought if he turns down $10 million in Calgary, that there would be another $10 million offer out there, and there wasn't. You know, Philly didn't have the money, and that was a team he wanted to go to, didn't have the money to offer him that much. So he took Columbus and offered him 9.75, right? You look at, you know, Claude Giroux. He just got, I think Claude Giroux did it properly, you know. He signed a big ticket deal, but he still has a high enough value where he signed a three-year, $6 million a year average deal, right? Chris Letang. Um, if I'm the Canucks, right? I might pony up a little bit more on the AAV, but a shorter term, maybe a four or five year deal, right? But there's higher, there's a higher uh, salary. So the money kind of balances out. Then JT Miller gets his money he wants and the Canucks aren't tied down to um, a player in his 35, 36 years old. I think that's the same thing that's going with Naz Kadri right now. You know, if he wants that full seven-year deal, he's going to be 32 years old come training camp. And who's going to want to pay a 39-year-old at the end of that deal, you know, excess of $7 million? So we're seeing the economics of the NHL and the pandemic kind of affect, you know, teams and how they operate business. You saw the Vegas Golden Knights having to just give away players because they have to stay under the cap. Carolina was a huge beneficiary of it. Of course, getting Max Pacioretty, you know, uh, Coughlin, I think his name is, uh, Brent Burns, and basically for nothing in future considerations, right? You see the the teams that are going to strike out on Naz Kadri. Are they going to turn around and go after JT Miller? Well, let's look at the teams that potentially could go after and let's miss out. The Calgary Flames. I don't see the Vancouver Canucks under any circumstances trading JT Miller across the Rocky Mountains to Calgary. Let's just get that out of there. Then you have New Jersey, the Islanders, the Rangers. The Rangers make the most sense because they have the young assets to give up to, you know, acquire 
um, you know, JT Miller. But they have a young core. And, again, they're going to have to pay those young players. You know, Lafreniere, Keandre Miller, you know, Philip Chittle. All these guys are, you know, Schneider, uh, Lundqvist. All these guys are going to have to get paid eventually. So Chris Jury, the GM, while he might want JT Miller, can give away some of these assets. He can't give away. He's not going to give away all of his young assets because J, as much as we want to admit it, JT Miller's value is declining, not only because of the cap, because you have to resign to a new deal, but also because, you know, they're not getting, they're only going to get him for a year guaranteed if he doesn't sign. So it's going to be very interesting. I'm, as this situation keeps on drawing out, and I think before the draft, we were all well aware that, you know, JT Miller is going to get traded. He's going to get traded. Uh, he will not be a Vancouver Canuck. And that still might be the case. But listening to Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford talk, um, I don't know if it's just their patience and they're just trying to play the media or they actually want JT Miller back. Um, I am a strong believer that if JT Miller is back under a new deal um, and they somehow work, get a final compromise, by all means, this team is very, very good up front and very good in net. Um, but then that begs the question, what's the next move? Because they're cap strapped. So we shall see what happens. It's going to be very interesting. Very interesting how this plays out. Uh, as this goes on more, and you're starting to hear it more from Alvin and Rutherford that they're trying to they're all they're saying all the things in the media right now that oh we'd love to have JT Miller back he's our best player they're opening up that environment for the fact that if he does come back it's going to be a welcoming environment where it's not going to be weird it's not going to be off he could come in and just focus on his game and potentially lead the Canucks to the playoffs so that's kind of my whole take on if you missed it Jim Rutherford's spicy spicy comments about um, the impatience of the fan base about a JT Miller trade. Uh, what's going on with JT Miller? So, and him kind of clapping back at that. So, I again, just to tie a bow on this whole JT Miller situation, as the days go and as the weeks come along this summer, I think it's more and more likely he's going to be in Vancouver come the start of training camp. So, I'm going to be very intrigued to see what happens and what transpires with that. So, but speaking of the playoffs, if JT Miller does stay, is this Canucks team a playoff team? So, after this break, I'm going to break down the Pacific Division, the Western Conference, kind of see where teams stack and how the Canucks stack up against them uh, and if the Canucks are a playoff caliber franchise right now. But first, I want to talk to you guys about betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports events and sports and events, excuse me, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts okay everybody welcome back to locked on canucks the show that keeps you locked in on all things vancouver canucks so we talked about jt miller is he gonna get dealt is he not i'm gonna operate this segment under the assumption that jt miller is going to be a vancouver canuck so when looking at the the league and how it kind of stacks up the western conference and the pacific division 
How do the Canucks fare? Are they a playoff team as of right now? So let's go through the Pacific Division first. If you look at last year's standings, the team that won the Pacific Division with 111 points and 50 wins, the Calgary Flames have gotten significantly worse. They lost Johnny Goudreau. Um, they lost Eric Branson. They lost Carl Yonkro. Um, just let's focus on the. They lost a guy who had a hun- over 100 points in Johnny Goudreau. Um, and they um, are not going to be the same team. They will definitely not be the same team. They are, um, to put it in the right, in, in the right thing. I think, as I said before, I think the cup window um, for Calgary, their contention window is over now. Um, I think losing Johnny Goudreau um, and missing out on, and he just, he didn't just turn down Calgary. He kind of spurned Calgary. He basically said, I don't want to play here for eight years for over 80 million bucks. I want to go play in Columbus, where Columbus has never been a free agent destination. He picked Columbus. Right? So I'm very interested to see how the reports come out and what really happened at the end of Johnny Goudreau's time in Calgary. Is it just simply, I want to play at least closer to family? Or was there was there a rift somewhere in the organization anymore? Uh, so I'm very intrigued to see what happens. But I definitely think um, the Calgary Flame number one spot uh, in the Division Two, you know, same area as the Vancouver Canucks and Vegas Golden Knights. Um, I think the Edmonton Oilers um, right now are currently the class of this division. They have the best two players in the division. They short up their goaltending as much as I think Jack Campbell um, isn't a Elite number one goalie. He's certainly better than Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. Um, they re-signed Brett Kulak. They re-signed Evander Kane, who took less money to play on the same line with Connor McDavid and have a chance to win. So I think Edmonton is the class of the Pacific Division. I also like what LA did. Of course, they got Kevin Fiala. They're you know going to come off a 99-point season. Um, Rob Blake has done a great job rebuilding that franchise. Um, I think you know, LA and Edmonton are the class of that this division. Now, with that being said, could LA, you know, not, that last year they kind of snuck up on people. Would there be a bigger, you know, book on them and will take teams take them more seriously? Absolutely. Will there be more expectations on this franchise? Absolutely. So that could, you know, be a derailment for you know the Los Angeles Kings. Next, we have the Vegas Golden Knights, who are, you know, they gave up Max Pacioretty. You know, they've given up Evgeny Dadanov. Um, you know, they've given away all these guys because they're they're in cap hell. Are the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, as currently constructed, um, you know, good, as good as they were last year? I don't know. You know, they have Robin Leonard in net. You still have guys like Marcia Show, Chandler Stevenson, Shea Theodore, Petrangelo. You're going to get Jack Eichel back for, you know, a, a whole year, presumably. Um, I think Vegas will take a step back to be in the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to be the dominant Vegas team that we've seen that, you know, does beating up on the Canucks. Um, they're in a very interesting state of influx. You know, they're seeing what's happened when you go, when you push all your eggs and you push, 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 and you're a cap team and you have flaws and you can't fix your flaws, a la the Canucks. So I think Vegas will have a bounce back year. Again, Bruce Cassidy's a great coach, but um, he warrants a lot out of his players. You know, David Krejci, there's problems with David Krejci. Uh, he kind of locked, kind of tuned him out. So, Maybe that's the kick of the pants Vegas needs, but I think Vegas 
will be back in the playoff picture. Um, I just think that franchise is very aggressive. They're always overly aggressive. And, you know, they're built for success. They have an owner that does not want to lose. So I think Vegas, um, while they might not be as dominant, they will be a factor. Um, San Jose, Anaheim, Seattle, they're all kind of just rebuilding. I don't worry them so much. But when I look at the Vancouver Canucks in this specific division, when you stack up that that top nine, the fours, you know, the Miller, Besser, Pedersen, Horvat, Podkolzin, Kuzmenko, Mikheyev, Garland, Dickinson, Lazar, um, you know, Pearson, and whomever, right? Throw in whoever else. Defense, as much as we ridicule OEL and Tyler Myers' contracts, you know, they played not bad, serviceable last year, you know? That was not a bad pairing. And of course, we have Quinn Hughes um, and Luke Shen. Luke Shen has been a very calming influence, but he's still Luke Shen. He's not a top four guy. He's a bottom guy. Um, the way I see the Canucks currently constructed, they they can compete. They can compete with Calgary. They can compete with Vegas, and they can they they're right in that mix to get the third and final Pacific Division spot or a wild card spot. Because when I look at the other Western Conference teams, Nashville. Maybe they're getting older. They just had Philip Forsberg. Um, in the Central, I think Colorado's still the class. St. Louis, Minnesota, Dallas. You know, Dallas is still kicking around. But the way I see Dallas and Nashville, um, even Winnipeg. Winnipeg's in trouble of their own, right? They had Rick Bonus as their coach now. But Pierre-Luc Dubois is out, basically out there saying through his agent that he wants to play in Montreal. Um, so Winnipeg's in a state of influx. Um, and just the way this breaks down, I see the Canucks right in the thick of it. Now, do I think they're on the same level of a Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis, or Edmonton? No, they're not in that echelon up there because the defense is a big problem. But could the Canucks compete for, you know, a second or third spot in the Pacific Division or a wildcard spot? Absolutely. As currently constructed, I think this team could definitely make a push for the playoffs. But defense needs work and as jim rutherford said today it's gonna take two or three years to undo the mess of jim benning and turn this organization around and does francesco Aquilini have the patience to maybe take a year back when he sees this roster as currently constructed potentially to be a playoff team um i am a component of making the playoffs but not doing it to harm the future of this franchise so what do i mean by that well yes this roster the forward group at goaltending core um, are playoff caliber but would i sell assets at the deadline or to you know get acquire a piece to push even further no i would not because draft picks and assets are something that the canucks need to you know retool that prospect pipe and to get young players on the cheap so they can once these Anchor deals move out. They don't have to, you know, respend on free agency. So while I think, and this all ties back to JT Miller, keeping him would help push for the playoffs. Getting rid of him might kill the playoff chances and kind of kill the morale of the locker room. Um, it's It all comes back to that, right? If I'm Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin, I do my damnness to sign JT Miller and try to convince him that this is where you want to be. If it doesn't work, then you trade him at least before the deadline and get something for him. 
Um, and at the deadline, perhaps maybe you're in a playoff spot where, you know, it's, you know, you can trade JT Miller and still have enough of a buffer to do everything the Canucks are down. But, you know, if they can trade JT Miller, that's the best case scenario of all. The worst case scenario is this. And it's not walks for, for nothing in the offseason. That's not the worst. The worst time to a, eight, a full eight-year deal and you're paying him in the mid, mid to late 30s. That's the worst thing. You have to get this contract situation right. It has to be right. You have to get, you know, if you're going to trade him, it has to be for young players that can come in and play right now. So do I think the Canucks are a playoff team as currently constructed? Yes, they can be in the playoff race. They can be a, I see them as a wild card team or maybe the third seed in the Pacific Division. Do I see them as a cup contender? Absolutely not. So I mentioned, again, it all comes back to JT Miller and how this is going to work out. This is the shoe that's got to drop. And welcome back to Locked On Canucks, the show that keeps you locked in on all things Vancouver Canucks. So on Thursday, the, NA, the Canucks prospect camp kind of concluded their on-ice festivities as Henrik and Danielson coached opposing teams. They were against each other for the first time in their career. Um, and we saw the end of it. We saw, you know, guys like Arshti Baines, you know, make a very big impact. We saw, you know, guys like Niels Hoaglander uh, play in front of fans. And, it you know, it was all wonderful to see. It was great to see all their players um, for especially for fans to see their the future of the Canucks play in front of fans and you know show off their skills. Jonathan Lacrimacki scored a, a wonderful goal uh, to tie it. We saw some nice moves in the shootout. Um, but all in all, just a wonderful week for Canucks prospects coming to Vancouver. You know, settling in, getting to know the coaching staff, the players. I'm mean, not the players, the the fellow peers. Um, and just the expectations of the organization. Now, they finished with the gross grind today, which, let me tell you, if you are not from Vancouver and you've never done the gross grind, uh, it's Niels Hoagland, no, not Niels Hoagland, Elias Pedersen II uh, was asked, oh, did you know? He's like, yeah, we're going to walk up a hill or a mountain or something. Well, he was probably in for a rude awakening because that is not easy. So the next time we will get to see these most of these prospects um, is the Young Stars Tournament in Penticton in September, which will be awesome. Uh, to see, you know, the Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton prospects all in Penticton once again and showing off for great hockey. So very impressive week for the Canucks all in all through free agency. You know, Ilya Mikheyev, of course, the Kuzmenko signing was official, the Curtis Lazar signing, prospect camp, and also a little bit of spiciness added by Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford about JT Miller. So that is that for this week of Locked On Canucks. Next week, Hopefully some news drops over the weekend that we can more dive into. Or we're going to get into that stretch where it's going to be more fun, more, you know, debate-type content, more content that makes you want to think. So uh, I can't wait for that next week. Uh, again, this has been Locked On Canucks. I want to thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, Locked On NHL. Locked On NHL experts give you a 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay to date in the world of hockey. Locked on NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. Take care, guys. Stay safe. And I will talk to you on Monday.